everybody. Happy New Year. Welcome to episode four of Hearing is Believing. My name is Andrea. And my name is Tamisa. And this is the podcast where we discuss different stories that center around our Catholic faith. So like always, we just wanted to let everybody know that we are not experts and we do not speak on behalf of the Catholic Church. We are just two sisters who really like talking about angels and demons and wanted to share these stories with you. So Andrea, what's what's been new with you? Well, Happy New Year to you, Tamisa. Oh, Happy New Year's to you as well. I'm so glad 2020 is over. I wish I could have spent it with yeah. you, but you know, it's, no, we got to do what we got to do. Stay safe out there still. Yeah, exactly. It's definitely an adjustment uh, for sure, the way we have to like do the holidays and spend New Year's, but um, I'm very very excited for 2021. I mean, I was also really excited for 2020. I think everybody was before we knew it was coming. Um, but oh, I'm really excited. I honestly, I think I've talked to you about this before, Andrea, but I love New Year's. It is my favorite holiday. So I'm just, I'm having a great time no matter what. I like the time right before New Year's. And then once we hit New Year's, like it's kind of like I've caught up all the momentum and now I feel like I'm burning out. Like, I hate New Year's (laughs) just because I just feel it's so depressing afterwards. I just feel like all the Christmas lights are done. The holidays are over. It's just Mm. for me, it's a little bit more depressing. That's so strange. Um, The different perspective that we have, even though we're sisters for crying out loud. But like it is sincerely the complete opposite for me. Like I feel you when it comes to feeling burnt out. So like December 26, I am burnt out. I am so tired. But once it's like December like 29th and the 30th, I am so excited for New Year's Eve. I'm so excited for the New Year's. It's just something to look forward to again. And I think my thing is it doesn't have the pressures of Christmas because obviously we love Christmas. We love spending time with our family. We love, you know, contemplating about, you know, the birth of Jesus Christ and all of that great stuff. Um, But it's also really stressful to plan and cook a lot of food (laughs) and to try to make all of your Christmas presents special and stuff like that. So I feel like nobody really cares about New Year's. And I think that's what I like about it. I find it... um completely different for me like I relished the time between Thanksgiving all the way through Christmas and a few days after because Mm -hmm. unlike you I love to cook so that doesn't really bother me and I love spending time with my family and just you know having that opportunity but once it's New Year's like Mm -hmm. no one gets together anymore afterwards so that's why it's kind of depressing and I love spending time with my family but you know Mm -hmm. January is just depressing. The only thing I have to look forward to is your birthday and that's it. And even then, that's still a toss up. No, no. My birthday is the shining star that guides us through the end of January. Listeners, my birthday is at the end of January. I absolutely love it. The whole month of January is leading up to my birthday. It's a very special time. (laughs) All right. Well, let's go on past that. Oh, no, wait. Uh, Do you have any... uh, I know a lot of people are trying not to like make plans for 2021, but do you have any resolutions, plans? Oh, heck yeah. I, again, I love New Year's. So you best believe I love New Year's resolutions. Um, So yes, I do actually have a handful uh, starting with like the most basic of wanting to be healthier. My New Year's resolution is to eat 
way more vegetables. I don't eat vegetables anymore. Ever since I got married, Julio, my husband, doesn't really eat vegetables. If he could, he would only eat rice and beef. That would be it. And that's enough for him. That sounds really familiar because I think that's pretty much what our dad eats too. I know. And it's so crazy. Like I have to make a very, very conscious effort of purchasing, you know, the vegetables and planning it and cooking it and then remembering that it's in my refrigerator ready made and I just need to heat it up. So this year, 2021, I am going to make the new, the new year's resolution of cooking and eating more vegetables um, just overall taking better care of myself. So taking my vitamins and things like that. I feel like 2020 and I'm, I know I'm not alone in this, but I've just like slacked on my personal care and I just haven't been taking care of myself. So, you know, thank God I haven't gotten sick or anything, but got to tighten up next year or I guess this year. Yeah, no, I completely get that. My resolution, the only resolution I'm making for 2021 is to be healthier um, just with the whole quarantine, I, mm-hmm. I just lacked energy to actually like get up and work out. So I am actually buying home equipment, kind of like motivate myself to you know get going and again, eating healthier. But um, mm-hmm. I, I think I eat more vegetables than you do. So you probably do. <laughs> I need to I really need to get better about that. Um, but there is I have one other resolution and, you know, I'm going to challenge you to also do this. Um, and maybe you actually already are doing it, so maybe you can create like an upgrade version for yourself. Wait, just me or me and everyone else who listens? You, all of our listeners, myself, I think we should all challenge ourselves to do this because it is really important, especially as Catholics. I realistically do not pray every single day, and I, I, I really feel so bad about that because I understand and I know the importance of it. Um, and the power of prayer. So that is something that I'm going to set for myself as a goal is to pray every single day and to at the very, very least do the rosary once a week. So that's a goal that I'm setting for myself. Um, I'm not sure if that resonates with you at all, Andrea. I mean, that's a really good goal to set. Uh, we're going to be realistic. Like, I don't want to kind of like challenge everyone else to do that because I'm, I'm not going to push that onto anyone. Um, I don't believe in doing that. But that's a really good goal for for you to have. And I'm going to try to make a goal myself of at least praying once a day because I, I don't do that, to be honest. Um, mm-hmm. But a rosary once a week is actually a really good goal. And, and especially in, from our household, um, the yeah. rosary is not something that, you know, we're not familiar with. We actually prayed the rosary a lot when we were kids growing up. And even now yeah. when we're a family, like we'll say a rosary every now and then. Um, but, yeah, that's a really good goal. I know our mom prays the rosary every day. Exactly. And I think that's what kind of breaks my heart is that like mom tried so hard to instill that in us as kids. And like we did, we, we prayed very often. But, you know, even if it's just a simple, you know, prayer, any type, I think that's really powerful to do that routinely. Um, so that's why I'm really hoping that I can get myself to do that this year for sure. Because I've tried a couple of times during 2020 to get on that habit um, and it just never stuck. So this year... It's going to happen. Okay. All right. Well, you know what? I'm going to follow up with you on that. And speaking of prayer, we're probably going to need to pray after this uh, next story that I'm going to be talking about. But I think you're going to be going first this time. So what are we going to be discussing today, Timisa? 
Yeah, so uh, for today's episode, I'm going to be talking about Our Lady of Mount Carmel and the Brown Scapular and really just the whole history behind it. Um, For me personally, it's something that I think is really fascinating because I was totally unprepared, but I actually went to Mount Carmel. Like when we arrived there and they're like, this is Mount Carmel. I was like, what? What? Um, Yeah, I went to Mount Carmel in Israel, which... I don't know if you knew this, but it's in Israel. And I know that probably sounds very dumb, but I always just thought it was in Italy or something like that. I but it's in the so Holy too. Land. I, th- I, know, I right? thought it was in Italy because, I mean, when there's a festival for Our Lady of Mount Carmel that mm-hmm. um, gets held every year in, in, in Melrose Park. And it's really nothing but a lot of a lot of Italians, mm-hmm. a few Mexicans. Um, but yeah that's pretty much the only two cultures the only two like demographics that you see there um yeah i always thought it was italian italian so. yeah me too because like you said it like historically models park um in illinois which is like the suburbs of chicago for anybody who isn't in the area um it like for a long time it was a very italian neighborhood i know our mom as a kid would go there um every summer and she always loved it. it was such a great time so i guess you could just automatically thought like oh it's um you know it's italian neighborhood so it must be an italian uh place you know mount carmel but no it's in the holy land so i'll be talking all about that give us the rundown of you know what the history is especially behind the brown scapular which is a very powerful thing um but what about you andrea what are you going to be talking about i'm going to be talking about leviathan so i I know we'd mentioned Leviathan Ooh. very, very briefly in episode two when I uh, gave my story on Father Lampert and the exorcism that he performed on um, the, the farmhouse story. Mm-hmm. So uh, after being, after receiving some comments that I probably should have gone into depth about Leviathan, I'm going to be talking about him entirely for this episode for, for my part. Wow, that sounds really scary, <laughs> which is I'm very excited to hear about it because it is very interesting. And it's a it's a name that I hear often and I know it's something terrifying, but I don't know too much about it. So I'm really excited for us to get to that later this episode. So I will let you have the floor. So like I said, I will be covering Our Lady of Mount Carmel, who is the patroness of the Carmelite Order. So that is a Roman Catholic order that has the spiritual focus that revolves around prayer, community, and service. Like we said, we thought we had some familiarity about Our Lady of Mount Carmel because of the festival that happens every year on the feast day, July 16th in Melville's Park, Illinois, which wasn't too far away from where our family was. Um, But this Carmelite order was founded in the 13th century by Christian hermits that lived in Mount Carmel. Um, So just a bit of a backstory about Mount Carmel. It is a mountain range that is in the northern part of Israel, and it runs along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea. So up there, and this is where um, me and my parents, we have the experience of visiting. We visited the Stella Maris Monastery, also known as the Monastery of Our Lady of Mount Carmel. And it's located in Haifa, Israel, which is Israel's third largest city right after Jerusalem and Tel Aviv. You know, just quick fun facts. I've actually heard of that city before. I just didn't know where it was. Like I never looked for it on a map. Yeah, honestly, I had no idea about it until we visited in um, 
well, essentially me and my parents, we took a pilgrimage to the Holy Land in 2019. And I remember taking a picture of it and I, it's literally right on the coast. So you're up in these mountains and suddenly you see there, there's like this cliff and you can see the entire coast and you can see uh, Haifa, which it looked like it was a port city. Like there was a lot of, um, what do you call those big boats that carry shipments? Barges? A barge? Yeah, a lot of barges out there. Um, and it was really cool because when we came back home and I showed pictures to our brother, he had also been to a pilgrimage in Jerusalem like years ago. And he was like, oh, yeah, Haifa. I remember that. It was so pretty there. And honestly, it is very, very pretty. Like the Mediterranean Sea is just gorgeous. Nice. Makes me jealous. I wish I could see it. Yeah, honestly, it was really nice. It was definitely a great experience and I would love to go back. Um so yeah, with Mount Carmel, the reason why this is so important is actually this is where the prophet Elijah hid in a cave after his 40 day and 40 night journey after he received threats from Jezebel. So there's, this is a really important story in the Bible and I will go into this at another date. This is something that I personally, personally knew quite a bit about from like a high school project I did back in the day. Um, but We'll save all the nitty gritties about it later. But for centuries, this has been an important landmark for a lot of religious pilgrimage because Elijah hid in a cave in Mount Carmel. During the 13th century, during the Crusades, St. Simon Stock, who is going to become very important to the story, he joined a group of Christian hermits on Mount Carmel during his pilgrimage to the Holy Land. In 1247, St. Simon's Dock was elected as their sixth general superior. However, at that time, the order was already having a lot of difficulties um, gaining acceptance from other clergy and other orders, and they were suffering a lot of persecution and oppression. But on Sunday, July 16th of 1251, as Simon's Dock knelt in prayer, Our Lady appeared to him holding the child Jesus in one arm and the brown scapular in the other. And she said the following words, This shall be the privilege for you and for all the Carmelites, that anyone dying in this habit shall be saved. And then on January 13th of 1252, the order received a letter of protection from Pope Innocent IV, uh, defending them from any further harassment so they became secure in their in their um they became secure there at mount carmel the scapular of our lady of mount carmel is also known as the brown scapular and it's actually one of the most popular and celebrated of the roman catholic devotions so i know me and andrea are really familiar with this this is actually like the introduction of how i learned about our lady of mount carmel i remember One day my mom came home from like a trip and she gave us these uh, scapulars and told us to wear them every single day and that this was going to be protecting us and kind of gave us some backstory about Our Lady of Mount Carmel. And then, like we mentioned, talked a little bit about that festival um, in Melrose Park. Do you remember when you got your scapular, Andrea? I remember my first scapular was given to me by, yeah, by by our, our mom. Um, but I believe she had received them from my godmother, her sister. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's where we got them from. Okay. But that makes sense. Yeah. I'm not positive on that. So don't quote me on it. <laughs> Too late. 
<laughs> but I believe that's where she got them from. But yeah, that's how we, we first were introduced to the brown scapular. And we have mm-hmm. multiple uh, scapulars. Um, oh, yeah. I, I, I think I own like five. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But so, mm-hmm. yeah, a lot of them have been given to me by by my godmother. So it makes sense that you have a lot of scapulars because, like I said, it is one of the most popular items in the Roman Catholic faith. But it also is very powerful because the brown scapular is a sign of devotion. And when you place it on yourself, you're essentially placing yourself under the protection of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Um, And like we said, you should be wearing, if you have it, the idea is to wear it, you know, every single day until it breaks. Um, And at that point, you can replace it. But since the Middle Ages, our Lady of Mount Carmel has been related to purgatory and the purging of sins after death, which I know me personally, I remember hearing this as a kid. Um, But in some images, she's portrayed as accompanied with angels and people wearing the brown scapulars pleading for her intercession. So there is an old belief. And Andrea, I want to know if this sounds familiar to you because this is very familiar to me. Okay. There's an old belief that um, was associated with Our Lady of Mount Carmel, but but today the Catholic Church doesn't recognize it as being legit. Um, this is what I remember learning when I first heard about the brown scapular from mom, and I remember being really confused. But in the 14th century, there was a publication from Pope John the Second, the 22nd, um, that stated that the Virgin Mary would have special intercession to liberate the souls from purgatory on the first Saturday after after their death um, if they were wearing the brown scapular. And this is referred to as the Sabatine privilege. Does that sound familiar at all? The phrase Sabatine privilege sounds familiar. From what I remember being told when we were younger was if you were wearing the brown scapular and you passed away, Mm-hmm. that would be kind of almost like a, a free like a pass. golden ticket. Yeah. Yeah. To get into heaven, I which I know is not supposed to be true now. Yeah. But when I was told this when I was younger, that's how I understood it. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's essentially the same idea. So in this Sabatine um, privilege, that belief surrounds that the Virgin Mary would bring you to heaven that Saturday following your death. Um, but the Catholic Church has recognized that that is not legitimate. Those reports were not authentic. So it's something that to this day, like the Carmelites and the Catholic Church don't promote that belief, but they do encourage the belief that Mary's general aid and prayerful assistance for people after their death um, is does exist and that is involved, especially when her aid is being um, prayed to from those who devoutly wear the brown scapular and commend devotion to Mary, especially on Saturdays, which is supposed to be dedicated to her. So that's kind of where that belief comes from or where it's rooted in. So there are apparitions associated with Our Lady of Mount Carmel and the brown scapular, uh, such as the apparition to Nicolina Carcillo, uh, which is an Italian name, and I'm going to butcher this even more by saying that she is in Aquafonda, Italy. Those are very hard Italian names. 
Um, and also to the visionaries of Our Lady of Mount Carmel, which both of which I know we're going to be covering in the near future. So I won't go into too much detail, but just wanted to make that statement that this this image of our of Our Lady with the brown scapular is very powerful and it's been transcended throughout history as well. Yep, and that is my story. Thank you, Tamisa, for sharing those facts on Our Lady of Mount Carmel and clarifying a lot of those beliefs we had from when we were kids. Yeah, just misconceptions that we had, which, I mean, definitely we were kids, so maybe that was just the easiest way for mom to explain it and also persuade us to wear our scapulars every single day because if we're told that you have a golden ticket to heaven, like, oh, you best believe we wore that scapular all the time. Yeah, we did. I did wear that a lot. I'm not, I, I don't wear it as often now, but I'm going to start doing that again. But I did wear it a lot, like every day for a good portion of my young adulthood um, when I actually had a choice. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I actually put on, after, when I was doing these notes, I like looked through my jewelry box to find some of my old scapulars and I put it on. I'm like, this is part of my New Year's resolution. I'm going to be wearing this now. Hmm. I'm going to have to pull mine out now too. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I used to wear one all the time, but I, I don't remember why I stopped wearing it, honestly. I remember yours broke. Mm. No, mine didn't break. I had um, a cross that was ripped oh, off of it. Broke. Yeah, that's that that whole cross story is scary, and we're gonna leave that for a different day. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that uh, was during yeah. the time when I was wearing my scapular every day. Yeah, I actually have an experience, too, that happened at the same time. And I don't know if you remember it. And again, maybe I I won't go into too much detail because, like I said, it is part of your experience of what happened um, to you back a few years ago. But during that same time, I had a scapular that our aunt gave us um, and I was wearing it. And one day I was like rubbing it and I was like, this feels weird. And I like picked looked at it and there was a fly somehow embedded into it. Oh, Do you remember that? That's so creepy. No, it, it was super creepy. So I took it off, and I think we like buried it. And my mom gave me a new one. Um, but that happened the same, at the same time that you had your experiences. Uh, so I was just like, you know what? I'm not even gonna think about this too hard. I'm just gonna get rid of that one, put on a brand new one. But it does speak volumes of like the power behind it, because I definitely mm-hmm. think that those two things are um, correlated. They are correlated. So, but yeah. Now that we gave a very small introduction to, to some spooky stories, um, Andrea, why don't you hop into your story today? Yes. So I, uh, as mentioned before, will be talking about Leviathan. Mm-hmm. Um, if you remember the story from episode two, Father Lambert was exercising a woman in Indiana who had invited some demons into her. Yeah. And if you remember the story, she had seven And the last demon to be expelled from her was named Leviathan. Mm -hmm. And Father Lampert had mentioned that Leviathan's mentioned in the Bible. Um, I had never heard of him. So I'm like, I'm going to just take it. No, this gospel. He's in there. And guess what? He is. Oh, geez. I'm surprised you hadn't heard that name before. I don't like scary stuff that much. Remember this. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Never mind. I take back my, my statement. That definitely <laughs> makes sense now. It, I, I understand. Yeah. So I had to do some digging. Mm-hmm. And Leviathan is not mentioned 
really a lot in Christianity except for what I'm going to be talking about. But he is mentioned a few times in the Torah. For those who are not familiar with the Torah, it's basically the Jewish Bible, but it's called the Torah. Mm -hmm. And Leviathan is mentioned in the books of Isaiah, the book of Job, and Psalms. Okay. So in the book of Job, he is mentioned as a sea monster. Mm -hmm. And then in Isaiah, Leviathan is mentioned as a serpent and represents the enemies of Israel Mm -hmm. who would be slain by God. And it's mentioned in the Torah that... Only God will be able to slain, uh, will be able to kill Leviathan at the end of time. So basically at the end of the world, that's when Leviathan will finally be defeated. Oh, jeez. In Old Hebrew, it's supposed to mean coiled. But when I was looking for what the what Leviathan is in Hebrew now, mm-hmm. the, I guess in modern Hebrew, it means whale. So actually, I tried this on Google Uh, translate which is kind of weird but i typed in whale translated it into hebrew and then flipped it so that hebrew had to translate back into english Mm -hmm. so it went from whale to the hebrew word which i can i cannot pronounce i will not try it i'm sorry yeah that's okay and then flipped it back and in english it translated into the leviathan oh that sounds so creepy i don't know if that's I don't know if that actually is creepy, but that gives me goosebumps. That's no, no, I take it back. That is creepy. <laughs> so I, I know it's a little confusing, but I was like, you know what? I, I kind of want to try this and see if it would work. And it did. So I guess in modern Hebrew, the the, the word Leviathan is, is whale. So mm-hmm. there are a few um, theologians, few philosophers, people who trying to study the bible and trying to like translate things like what did they mean what they said this mm-hmm. um do you know the story of jonah and the whale kind of i i vaguely know that jonah gets swallowed by a whale yeah so he was supposedly swallowed by a great fish mm-hmm. and there's a lot of confusion as to whether it was a great fish or if it was the leviathan mm-hmm. but um or if it's just like a whale, there's there's a lot of confusion on that. So some people believe Jonah and the whale is really Jonah being swallowed swallowed by the Leviathan, mm-hmm. uh, by Leviathan, I should say. So the story for those of you who aren't familiar, it's from the Old Testament. Jonah was an Israelite who God had called upon to be a prophet, but Jonah refused to accept his mission. Mm-hmm. And left on a sea voyage. And then there was just a really bad storm because God was angry at Jonah for having denied him, for di- diso- uh, disobeying. Mm-hmm. And the sailors, once they realized that Jonah and his disobedience were the cause of this storm, they threw him overboard. And then oh, Jonah geez. was saved from drowning, but he was swallowed by uh, a, a great fish is what they say in the story. Mm-hmm. And that's where he lived for three days and three nights inside this this monster and then he was vomited out by the fish, by the large monster, because God commanded him to. So that, that's another thing that they say is that only God can destroy Leviathan. Mm-hmm. Only God can command Leviathan. So that's where a lot of people are saying. So I can see the correlation by, there. Yeah, that he was swallowed by Leviathan. Yeah. Um, so 
now that we kind of talked about in Judaism where Leviathan comes from, we're going to talk about Christianity now. So Leviathan is still associated with serpent and with water. Mm-hmm. And according to my research, Leviathan is not a low-ranking demon. He is one of the princes of hell, oh, and he yeah. is the gatekeeper of hell. Oh, and geez. there are a few paintings depicting the Hellmouth, which is a demon, this huge demon with this huge mouth, and inside the mouth is hell itself. Oh, jeez. So this demon is supposed to represent the gates to hell. Yeah. So that's kind of where that comes in. And again, Leviathan is depicted as a huge sea serpent, huge monster, huge mouth, big enough to swallow a whole ship and everything. So, And then um, additionally, St. Thomas Aquinas, who was a Dominican friar from Mm -hmm. the 13th century, and... Peter Bensfield, who was a German shepherd and theologian from the late 1500s, both said that Leviathan is the demonic representation of one of the seven deadly sins, and he represents envy. And a lot of um, theologians correlate the princes of hell with the seven deadly sins, and each prince represents a different deadly sin. Okay, that sounds really interesting, because I... I remember learning about the deadly sins, like when I was. Um, Can you name them really all? Young. I can. I'm really proud of myself. This is one of my trivia, like superpowers. So, they are, in no particular order, mm-hmm. lust, pride, gluttony, envy, wrath. Did I say sloth? Mm, I said sloth. Wait, hold on, hold on. Pride, pride, envy, envy, lust, lust, sloth. sloth. Gluttony. Gluttony. Wrath. Rage. Or yeah. Rage, yeah. Um, and there's one more. Hold on. I can get there. <laughs> um, Are you sure? Did I say pride? Oh, crap. You I did. Oh, no. Hold on. This is hurting my brain. I can do this. Um, I'm going to insert Jeopardy music. Oh, no, no. I give up. I can't. I, there's always one. There's always one that I forget. All right. Are you ready for me to tell you? Yes. Okay, they are lust, mm-hmm. gluttony, mm-hmm. sloth, mm-hmm. wrath, mm-hmm. envy, mm-hmm. pride, mm-hmm. and greed. Greed! Greed! Ah, greed always gets me. <laughs> I think it, in my brain, I always think greed and pride are the same, and they're not. No, they are not. Because I always think of... Pride um, is arrogance. Yeah, pr- they're very different. But I think it's because before I used to think vanity was one of them, but it's not. It's it's lust um, and pride. Like vanity is like kind of in between both. So my my brain always tries to make up like another seven deadly sin that doesn't exist. Well, I mean, if you think about the original deadly, uh, like the original like recognition of the deadly sins, Mm -hmm. boasting was one. So there are technically eight before and then it just became seven. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that's one thing. Anyway, so uh, he is the representation of the seventh, uh, one of the seven deadly sins of envy. Um, and then to make things a little scarier still, in 1613, Sebastian Michelis, a French inquisitor and Dominican prior, wrote a book titled 
admirable history. Admirable. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. That title didn't seem right. So I went looking for the original book title, which is in French. Mm-hmm. And I Google translated that as well. I've, I used a lot of Google Translate this week. Yeah. Are you sponsored by Google? I wish. But the title translated from French to English is actually The Admirable History of the Possession and Conversion of a Penitent. Oh, I like that title. It sounds way more intimidating. It does sound really intimidating, um, especially coming from an inquisitor who was responsible for the death of a lot of women because he was part of a lot of witch trials. Oh, geez. So not a good look, but he has a very interesting um, setup mm-hmm. for the classifications of demons and where Leviathan falls in this category and these categories. So I think he might have been onto something. So anyway, back to Leviathan. Uh, Sebastian Mitchellis explained in his book, Admirable History, that he was performing an exorcism on a nun who was possessed by a demon who identified himself as Bareth, who is also known as Baal. Have you heard of that one? It sounds familiar. Can you spell that name for me really quick? It can be spelled a couple different ways. There's B-A-A-L and B-A-E-L. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm glad that you pronounced it because I actually was reading up on this very, very briefly um, when I was doing some research about um, Our Lady of Mount Carmel. And like I mentioned, the prophet Elijah hid in Mount Carmel. Um, it was after he was like, he was asking their god Baal or I thought you would pronounce it Baal. I thought so too. Yeah, I, I thought so. I, I guess I, I'm glad that you pronounced it. You probably did a lot better research than I did so you know how to pronounce it. But um, but the prophet Elijah tried to get, tried to provoke them to get Baal to uh, set fire. And he was saying like, let's see which god is more powerful, which god is real, yours or mine. And Baal couldn't do it, but God did. Um, mm. So it was a way to prove, you know, the legitimacy of our God and not these, you know, false gods, fa- false gods and their idols and things like that. So I, I know very, very little is the only thing I know, but I've seen that name. Mm, OK, yeah. So anyway, so uh, Baal, um, also known as Bareth, was possessing the nun. Anyway, so Bareth, for some reason, gave away the hierarchy of the demons and gave names as to which demons fell into which hierarchy Mm -hmm. i don't know if you know this but demons and their hierarchies their levels the tiers that they belong to are the same as with angels because they mimic everything yeah yeah to mock it exactly so just like there are three hierarchies of angels Mm -hmm. and three tiers within each hierarchy it's the same with demons the lower the hierarchy the lower the tier the lesser the demon and mm-hmm. the, I guess, the less evil the sins that they try to make you commit, they're still not great sins, but they're yeah. lesser. And the higher mm-hmm. up you go, the worse the sin. The third and the lowest hierarchy is going to include demons that cause disobedience, mercilessness, and cruelty. That's the lower tier. Yeah. I feel like cruelty is a pretty bad. I feel like cruelty right? is like pretty bad as it is. And the fact that it's pretty low on the rung, according to this hierarchy, is like kind of shocking, but it makes you like really contemplate like well how much worse are all these other ones yeah so the middle tiers are belong to the second hierarchy and these demons are the cause of arrogance vanity obscenity 
and shamelessness. Mm-hmm. Which, honestly, if I think about it, cruelty, I think, is worse. I still think so, too. <laughs> but this is according to the hierarchy that was told to Sebastian Mitchellis. Yeah, who are we to question it? Right. So the first hierarchy, these are, these are the top guns. These mm-hmm. are angels that were seraphim, cherubim, and thrones. Oh, dear. So those tiers are the highest ranking angels and these demons are the highest ranking demons yeah i'm gonna start from the lower tier and work my way up okay okay sounds good so we're gonna start with thrones these are the princes of thrones and there's four at least that are mentioned right now we have astaroth who tempts men to be lazy Mm -hmm. we have varin who is just below astaroth and he tempts men with impatience then we have gressel who tempts men with impurity and then we have Sonilan. Don't know how to pronounce that if I did it right or wrong. And he's the demon of hatred. And those were angels of thrones. Mm-hmm. So they're the princes of thrones. Next, we have an- the angels that were cherubim. Right now on this list, I only have one prince of cherubim, and that's Bareth or Baal, as I've mentioned before. He tempts men to be quarrelsome and blasphemous. Mm-hmm. And he tempts man to commit homicide. Oh, jeez. So now we get to Seraphim. Mm-hmm. They're the highest of angels. And, and in this case, the princes of Seraphim are the highest of demons. Yeah. We have Beelzebub. That's the one that I've heard of a lot. <laughs> yes. Want to know why? Why? He's, his rank is just below Lucifer. Oh, jeez. And uh, Beelzebub and Lucifer and Leviathan mm-hmm. were the first three angels to fall. And they were all angels of the seraphim. Yeah. Yeah. They're, that's why Leviathan. No, he's not a low ranking demon. Yeah. So Beelzebub tempts men with pride. Mm-hmm. And he represents one of those seven deadly sins. Mm-hmm. Then we have um, Leviathan, who is third down. Mm-hmm. He is also prince of the seraphim. And he tempts men to give into heresy as well as envy. And then we have Asmodeus, who tempts men into wantonness. And so, in conclusion, I feel like I'm giving a report. Leviathan was a seraphim angel who joined Lucifer in his rebellion against God. And as he fell from heaven, mm-hmm. was changed into a sea serpent. And he represents envy, and he is the gatekeeper of hell. So, yeah, that is my story. Oh. That, well, my facts. Those are my facts for All the facts. Leviathan. <laughs> that was really scary for me, Andrea, because, uh, first of all, we're talking about demons, and that is always very terrifying. But um, I was doing research at the same time you were, like, doing your research, and we hadn't, like, communicated beforehand. But I was, like, again, because we're sisters, I was actually doing research on the Order of Angels. So... I have a lot of notes about like specifically um, what makes each level uh, special or what characterizes them. Um, and the seraphim, they're the angels closest to God. You know, they they ha- are the closest to understanding his plan. Obviously, they are not God. They don't know everything. But they literally mean like the burning ones, the incandescent ones. Like they're supposed to be burning with love. And the fact that they're the ones that betrayed God, they're the ones mm-hmm. that fell from the highest point and now are like the like the head honchos of hell and right hand yeah. man of God, of, of uh, the devil. It's yeah. really terrifying because when you think about how much love and power is in seraphims, the angels of God, like you're like, wow, that 
feels so beautiful and then to have it twisted is really really terrifying yeah and it's actually funny that you mentioned burning with desire for love Mm -hmm. asmodeus when i was doing research it was mentioned a few times that he is burning with desire to tempt men that scares me (laughs) he burns with that desire and so yeah like you were you you were mentioning before seraphim are the ones that are closest to god Mm -hmm. and that's exactly no lucifer was god's favorite angel yeah and he no he took it a little too far but yeah when he fell so did beelzebub and lucifer um i'm sorry so did beelzebub and leviathan Mm -hmm. and they were the first three and this is why it was so scary when you know when i was doing this research and i'm like oh my god no wonder it was so important when we're talking about episode two when father lampert when he heard the name leviathan he's like oh this is not good. Yeah. It really puts it into perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Hearing about Leviathan and how important he is and how powerful he is does put it into perspective. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Of how much danger this woman was in. Oh, geez. Well, thank you, Andrew, for sharing that story. Um, don't know how I'm going to go to sleep tonight. So I'll let you know if I start like having nightmares and uh, night terrors. I'll keep you posted. Well, I'm sure you'll be fine. You handle scary stuff better than I do. But yeah, yeah especially after this story, I'm probably, I'm, I'm definitely going to go and say a prayer and start looking for my scapular. Yeah, I was about to say, everybody go find your your scapulars, your holy bracelets, your crosses, whatever you have, you know, any and all of the extra protection. Definitely. All right, everybody. Well, Thank you so much for tuning in today. Yeah. I hope you enjoyed it. Absolutely. And don't forget to check out our Facebook page and follow us on Twitter at Hearing is Believing Podcast. If you have any stories that you're okay with sharing with us or with us reading on air, uh, please send them to hearingisbelievingpodcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear them. And we're, we're hoping to get enough stories to do like bonus episodes. Mm-hmm. I think everybody might enjoy those. And we might even throw our own stories in there as well. So exactly. Like I'm really, really dying for Andrea to tell us her story because Andrea, you really went through the ringer uh, back in the day and it's it's just very terrifying and i i mean personally i try not to think about it i can't even imagine how it is for you um but you know if you guys give us enough emails and we have enough content to share your stories on the podcast we can finally hear from andrea and get her to share her story as well yeah i think that would be really a really fun episode to do honestly yeah i think so too well thanks again everybody uh, we'll be talking to you guys next week bye everyone bye